welcome back to another episode of Buckeye Dads Discuss. I'm Josh. And I'm Andy. And it's just another crazy week in 2020. Andy, how's it been going for you? Uh, it's been a calmer week than normal around here. Uh, we did have the water main breakout front today, so we were packing in all of the uh, bottled water because it's going to be a weekend of, of drinking water straight out the bottle for us. And, you know, of course, I had come back from a run, so got to stay in the sweaty clothes all day. But, hey, can't complain too much. How about you? Oh, man, work's just been killing me like normal. Uh, we're coming close to the end of our fiscal year, and it always gets a little crazy. Uh, crazy then. Uh, you discussed in an earlier episode how your family had a, a brief COVID scare, and uh, I guess it was my turn because over the last couple of weeks, uh, we had a confirmed positive in our extended family. Uh, and so my wife and I both got tested. Fortunately, we were both negative. Uh, kids uh, seemed okay as well. Uh, so it was definitely, you know, something that kept me nervous. Uh, my wife and I went to get tested about two hours apart, her first, then me. And she got her results uh, one night about, I think she was 48 hours or so after uh, getting tested. And I did not get my results for another 24 hours later. You and I were actually recording uh, when I got my results. So it was that was a pleasant surprise when I got that negative result. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is life in 2020, I guess. Well, it's a good thing that everybody came out negative. Sounds like everybody's feeling better. I know my mom, who's a listener of the show, was concerned about the family, so she'll be happy to to listen in on this episode. And know that everybody's doing all right. Yeah. So, uh, and the uh, and the confirmed positives in my extended family are also doing well. So, uh, very thankful for that. Um, but again, this just serves as a reminder for people. I don't know, Andy, if you've been following Dewine still as closely as we were several months ago, but the Cases in Ohio are trending back up again, people. So, you know, we're well after Labor Day at this point, uh, but we're going into fall. It's definitely, this is looking like it might be the last nice weekend in Northwest Ohio for a while. People are going to start going back inside. Uh, Flu season is coming along. So everybody keep up your vigilance, social distance, wash your hands, wear a mask. uh, Hopefully we'll get through this winter uh, nice and easy. Yeah, Northwest Ohio definitely looking like a hot spot. Lucas County itself, we're actually doing all right here, but definitely a hot spot. And if you look at the statewide numbers, and I think we put up 1,800 cases today. I think our hospitalization numbers over the last 10 days, we have jumped by a couple hundred at least. So we are definitely seeing another uptick. So stay vigilant. Yep. Um, again, I think Fauci came out just this week and said, You know, early 2021 is when we're looking for that vaccine, but really, you know, back to normal in quotation marks, whatever that means, probably going to be more the second half of next year. So we still got a little ways to go. Uh, Keep that in mind. I know it's tough, but um, let's uh, stay safe and stay smart and and do a good job with this. So, all right, Andy, um, we've managed to record our podcast and like three of the five games, three of the six games of the NBA finals. Uh, But we're going to, we've done a lot of politics. We're going to do a little bit of that today, but definitely in a much light, more lighthearted way than we have previously. Uh, But we're going to start out with sports. It's been a while since we've uh, discussed what's going on in our, in our collective sports. Uh, I'm going to start first with my uh, favorite, the NBA Uh, right now. 
uh, is going to be right now as we're recording is game five. Lakers are up three one, and this I'm not going to say this series has an asterisk because that's not fair. Um, injuries are a part of sports, but the Miami Heat going into the series lost two starters. Uh, their point guard Goran Dragic, who is out still as and is going to be out probably all series. Uh, their center Bam Adebayo. Uh, played last game and I think is slated to play tonight, but on a more limited basis than he normally does. The Lakers are up 3-1. They have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and it looks like LeBron is going to lock up championship number four uh, sometime in the next week. Yeah, so as somebody that knows nothing about the NBA, I just want to throw out there the names from the Heat that you mentioned, just elite-level names, Bam, Goran, legendary names and then you have lebron decent anthony a little bit boring on the lakers side i did watch an nba finals game though it's probably the first time since ever (laughs) that that bored huh i was that bored i watched i believe it was game two or three which one did the heat win uh game three okay it must have been two then it was incredibly boring i fell asleep two or three times I don't think the Heat were ever really within striking distance in the game I watched, but I did watch at least a part of all four quarters, which it has been a long time since I've watched that much of a basketball game. Yeah, so game three uh, featured Jimmy Butler's, uh, he plays for the Heat. He had a 40-point triple-double, which is a a crowning achievement in a playoff game. They got a win in that game. Uh, I know there are several franchises that he's played for that would love to have him back he's a little bit of a hothead uh, but he definitely can be the best player on a a high level playoff team Um, but again Andy the big picture for this clearly uh, is going to be two questions one who will win the finals MVP Uh, and right now those two obvious contenders are LeBron James who everyone knows uh, you know greatest player of his generation Um, and Anthony Davis who uh, this is by far his most successful playoffs. This is deepest playoff run. Uh, he he pretends that he's a power forward, but he's really a center. Uh, the Heat really don't have anybody to match up with him uh, when Bam's not on the floor, and he's just been taken into the Heat, uh, all world player. Um, but again, you know, the voting generally tends to go to the obvious answer. It would not surprise me at all at all if LeBron wins his fourth finals MVP and fourth championship this week. Yeah. The idea of the, the playoff MVP, I I mean, I don't know a whole lot about the NBA, but for the NHL, I feel like it tends to kind of revert to in a tie. It definitely goes to that, you know, Sidney Crosby is going to win it in a tie rather than, you know, Chris Letang, maybe somebody that's a little bit, not quite that, that national face. So. All right. Andy, see LeBron. You made a joke about this in a previous episode. Uh, and I want to spend a little time on it just because it's such a, you know, this is not a nitty gritty basketball idea. You know, basketball is definitely at least somewhat relevant in the common culture to most people. LeBron will be four and six in NBA finals, assuming that the Lakers managed to pull this off. Andy, what are some of the characteristics uh, for hockey, a sport I'm not familiar with? Like, who are the people in the greatest players ever conversation? And what are their qualifications to make them the greatest player ever? I think it's a little bit more clear cut. And I mean, I I think 
you wouldn't get a whole lot of argument in the NHL if you said that the top players would be Wayne Gretzky is going to be number one. I think Gordy Howe always makes it into those, yeah, into that legendary conversation. Probably Bobby Orr because he really revolutionized the game as far as the defensive end. He was the first guy to play defense to really put up a ton of points. And then probably Mario Lemieux. So I don't think it's necessarily as controversial as it seems to be in basketball. And I mean, I, I think most people, if you say Gretzky is the greatest to ever play the game, you're not going to get a whole lot of argument. It's certainly not as passionate as like the LeBron versus Jordan debate that people get into. I mean, as far as characteristics, you got to take your team to the finals. You got to win some championships and you got to put up a whole bunch of points. Okay. Great answer. And that just leads me to, I just can't accept. I'm, I'm going to do my best boomer impression. It's still Jordan. It doesn't matter. It's still Jordan. LeBron is an amazing player. LeBron, you can have him two. You can have him three. He can't be any lower than in the top five greatest NBA players ever. For sure. No argument from me. But when you go to the finals 10 times and you only win four. Now, granted, going 10 times is amazing. It is a, a ridiculous feat. And the way he's been able to keep himself healthy, his point totals, rebound totals, assist totals, his everything totals are going to surpass Jordan. Uh, you know, they're going to be historic. He probably will sit number one overall in quite a few uh, career rankings uh, in the NBA. But uh, on one hand, you have somebody who went to the final six times and won all six times. And on the other hand, you have somebody who's four and six. And I just can't understand. I just can't get the argument uh, as to why somebody would say LeBron is better than Jordan. Because he made he made it ten times. I mean, Jordan made it six times. If if Jordan was the goat, why didn't his team get there ten times? Even if he didn't win it all ten times, LeBron's done it with three different teams. True, true. But Andy, as as our uh, as our uh, favorite Will Ferrell says, if you're not first, you're last. So you make it ten times, but some of those and some of those finals, I mean, they get obliterated by the Spurs. Uh, in his first appearance, which fine, it's his first appearance, but I played, I played for one of those Cavs teams. <laughs> that, that's, that's true. That Cavs team was horrible. That Cavs team is one of the maybe five or 10 worst teams to ever play in an NBA finals. So why did they make it to the finals? They made it because of LeBron, but I mean, basketball is a sport where one person can affect the outcome more than any other sport, uh team sport. And I, I just, Six and zero is just untouchable. Uh, I don't. Did you, Andy? Did you watch the Last Dance on all when it came out in April? No, I, I listened to another podcast that was that kind of broke it down, and I was really intrigued. But I never sat down and made that that time investment to watch it. I would like to. I would highly recommend anybody who has not watched the Last Dance. I it originally came out just on ESPN. I think it has now moved over to Netflix. Uh, if it hasn't, it probably will soon. Um, but this was really in the early part of the pandemic. We were shut down. There were no real sports on, and which really, really helped, uh, I believe, the ratings for this documentary. Uh, but it aired in uh, five two-hour spans over five weekends. It was 10 hours total. You don't have to be a crazy diehard basketball fan to appreciate it. The music is good. and You know, it's, it's all 80s, 90s. 
uh, you know, hip hop. Uh, it really talks about a lot of the personalities on the team uh, and just the culture of what Jordan meant, you know, the, the shoes, the commercials, just the cult of personality. Uh, I highly, highly recommend uh, if you haven't watched Last Dance. And, you know, and again, it's, it's, you can break it up into one hour chunks if you want to stretch it out over a lot of different viewing episodes. I would highly recommend you guys check it out. All right, Andy. I still think if you make, I still think if you make it to the final, I don't know, man. I still think if you make it to the, especially if you drag some sorry teams to the finals ten times, I think there's an argument to be made there. I don't know if it's, you're, if you ain't first, you're last. Especially if you're dragging along. I mean, guys that were playing in the YMCA last week. Well, okay, so then, so somebody who's commonly re, uh, regarded as either the second or third best. Uh, basketball player certainly in the top five is Bill Russell. Bill Russell won eleven championships. Uh, so, again, why isn't he the best? He might be the best. You could make an <laughs> argument that he's the best. Now, he played in the time where, you know, you you watch a fifth grade basketball team and you got that one guy who's you know a foot taller than everyone else and is more athletic than everyone and just doesn't clearly doesn't belong on the same court as everyone else. I mean, he played in an era where it was him and Wilt and then a whole lot of people who couldn't do anything else against those two people. So uh, you could make an argument. There's certainly an argument to be made that Bill Russell is the best basketball player of all time. Uh, but for me, it's Jordan, and it's somebody's really got to do something. And again, I'm not saying LeBron can't be in the conversation. He's had an amazing career, a groundbreaking career. Uh, but when you just put it all next to each other, I just can't. It's, it's got to be Jordan for me. Do you think your opinion that will change 10 years after LeBron retires, looking back where it's not kind of the, you know, the recency bias of somebody that's playing in the league now versus somebody that was a legend when you were growing up? Do you think it'll be different? And when you have all of LeBron's total career accomplishments once he's retired sitting in front of you so you can really compare apples to apples instead of – you know, yeah, LeBron could maybe right. go out and win two more championships, maybe win three more. Maybe, you know, the Heat pull off a miracle and he wins no more. So do, do you think it'll change once LeBron, LeBron is a little bit more removed from the game? No, but I'm certainly open to it. I'm never going to say never. Um, and and LeBron has a lot going for him, right? Like if you want to compare the two of them as people, as citizens – uh, you know, and again, the, the last dance documentary goes into this, you know, the, you know, somewhat apocryphal quote about, you know, Republicans buy sneakers too. Uh, Jordan only up until just very recently, Jordan has been quiet, not in the public eye, not anybody who's embraced activism. He wanted to just go out and play basketball, make some money, uh, be the best there ever was. Uh, whereas LeBron has definitely you know, been very socially active, uh, used his platform for lots of good causes. You know, I mean, all the way back in the day of, you know, wearing the, you know, when Trayvon Martin was murdered and, 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 and supporting him and, and all, you know, Breonna Taylor, you know, from, there's just been so many instances where he said, okay, look, like I'm a basketball player, but I'm also a part of uh, this country. I'm also a black man. And, Things are not great for most of us, and and things they gotta change. So, LeBron is an amazing person. It won't take anything away from him, uh, but 
We'll see. I don't know. That's a good question. The school that he created. I mean, LeBron is a great Ohioan. There's absolutely, if we did a top four Ohioans or a top five Ohioans list, man, LeBron James is getting consideration for that. He is a good, he has kept his nose absolutely clean too. The wife and I were discussing that. I think it was like, I think we were watching a PGA event and Tiger Woods came up and we were talking about LeBron has never been around, even around a scandal, let alone been in a scandal. He has been an absolute upright citizen. And some of the stories about Jordan, I realized it was before the social media time, so you can maybe get away with more. But, man, LeBron is a classy guy. And, I mean, again, he had the spotlight spotlight on him since he was, like, 15. You know, I remember when we were in high school, uh, the one of the local basketball powers, Scott High School, they went out, I believe, to the Cleveland area to play him. I don't even know if LeBron played in the game. Uh, but... You know, he was already people were, you know, driving two hours to go see that game to go see it, it with the, for the chance to go see him play. Um, you know, he had the spotlight on him. You know, there was the I think he was he had a Hummer at one point that was a little, you know, questionable as to, you know, how he got it from a impermissible benefits perspective or whatever, uh, even all the way back in high school. But he's never been involved in any serious scandal Uh while being one of the most famous people on the whole planet. Yeah, you can't argue with that. And I love what he's doing with that. I promise school in Akron, taking care of the community. I absolutely love that. So we're, I'm splitting hairs. I mean, I just wanted to be clear. Like, they're two amazing basketball players. Uh, and, and I really didn't get to watch a whole lot of Jordan in, in real time. I remember him uh, being on the Wizards uh, when he had been broken down. Uh, his knees weren't really that great of shape at that point anymore. Uh, he His last championship would have been when I was 10. And it was still kind of a little early. I was more watching football with my dad at that point, not really watching as much NBA. Uh, really, my NBA career blossomed with the Kobe Shaq Lakers. Uh, and that was really the first, which is right after this time period. Uh, uh, and then from there, I've, I followed the league pretty consistently. Uh, but two amazing players it's you know a blessing to be able to watch them play because it's really just you know something will happen in the game that you're just like i can't believe a human being can actually do that so love me some nba and uh, lebron congratulations on winning your next championship may or may not be a reverse jinx but there we go we may find out by the time we're done recording tonight yep Okay, that was more NBA than than I thought we would get into. Andy, what's going on in the NHL? Well, that's great because it's uh, NHL free agency opened up today, and I expected to have a whole lot to talk about today, and then NHL free agency happens. (laughs) It's fine that we went a little long on the NBA. I don't know if we necessarily dove too deep into the end of the Stanley Cup final, so the Tampa Bay Lightning did win the Cup. Um, I mean, they were probably – one of the the top two favorite teams going in it went about like you would expect um dallas put up a decent fight dallas was a team that was kind of defying all the statistics and um somehow just pulling out wins where they were getting out shot they were getting out possessed and they were still kind of just pulling off wins so you know it, it turned midnight and Cinderella turned back into the pumpkin or i don't know the cinderella story but <laughs> the dream was over and uh 
Dallas just really couldn't match the firepower of Tampa. So, so Tampa hoisted the cup, promptly took it back to Tampa, had a huge boat parade with the cup, and then promptly got yelled at by the NHL because they said, we don't really want you, you know, drawing 40,000 people down to the riverfront to have a parade. So, yes. so they got a, a nice little slap on the wrist from the league of maybe we shouldn't be doing that. Um, so, yeah, we enter what's, what's a dark time for me, that time between – the Stanley, the joy, the elation of the Stanley Cup Finals, and then kind of the, uh, oh God, now we have to wait until it's. They just announced it's January first for the beginning of the NHL season, so we got a little bit. But today was the beginning of free agency at noon. Personally, I was very, very excited because the Blue Jackets made a ton of trades late last night, like ten, eleven o'clock last night. They dumped a bunch of their kind of higher salary guys just for draft picks. So I said, they're, they're stacking up on the cap space. They're getting ready to make a move and they did absolutely nothing today. Um, it's a little bit disappointing, but there's still a lot of big, big name free agents on the board. So uh, the blue jackets did have a big trade. They traded Josh Anderson, who's a guy I personally love. He's about your size, I think, but he knows how to skate. So that's pretty impressive. <laughs> Seems important for um, yeah, so so a big body scored, I think, 27 goals in his, his best season. So he's, he was definitely a guy that I think he had just come back from injury. So the Blue Jackets are looking forward to getting him back. So they traded him to Montreal uh, for Max Domi, who is definitely not as big, but but maybe has a little bit more skill and plays center. So that's a position that the Blue Jackets have, since the beginning of time, needed help at center. So that's exciting to see. Um but yes, as far as the big free agent moves that, that people were hoping for, and you know, in, in COVID times, so the cap's not going up, obviously, because revenue's not going up. So there was a hope, I think, that today would be a very active day, that people would be making a lot of signings, maybe a lot of trades, trying to deal with that flat cap, because usually the cap goes up by a couple million. But that hasn't really panned out. So it seems like the league is maybe going to take a a slower, more measured approach, and then they're not throwing around the crazy cash that typically happens on what is normally July 1st, free agency day. So locally, we got some news about minor league hockey. The Walleye will open their season on January 15th. They're playing 62 games, which is a little bit of a reduced season, but not really, so that'll be nice. Uh, they rescheduled the Winterfest that was scheduled here for a couple months from now. They're going to play again outdoor in downtown Toledo. They're not going to do that um, because they wouldn't be able to have very many, if any, people there. So they've rescheduled that to the end of 2021. So that's exciting for me as somebody who's taking COVID seriously. That's a game I really want to attend, and that's a game there's no way I would have attended if it was happening in two months. So, yeah, I was I was hoping we have more to talk about with the NHL free agency, but uh, I, I – I just got an alert. It looks like Tory Krug is probably going to St. Louis, which is a little bit surprising because St. Louis had their own and Petrangelo had their own, uh, you know, kind of elite high priced defensemen. So they didn't sign, re-sign their own guy. They signed the big name guy from Boston. So it'll be interesting to see Petrangelo is probably the biggest name on the board now if St. Louis didn't re-sign him, but it looks like uh, nothing imminent with them. So Maybe we can get you a little bit of an update in the next episode, but a day of disappointment for NHL free agency so far. Wah, wah. Um, for as much as I don't follow NHL, I do want to make one point. 
going to the walleye games, which again, there are uh, minor league hockey team here in Toledo. Walleye games are amazing. Uh, we have family members who have season tickets and we end up going to usually, I don't know, I would say maybe somewhere in the three to five games a year type uh, dealio. And it's really fun to sit down and go watch a hockey game. It's way more exciting to me and more of an enjoyable evening than going to a baseball game. And Toledo has a, a minor league baseball team that's actually pretty good and has a really nice stadium. And it's a nice way to spend a summer evening if it's not too hot and it's not raining. Uh, but usually by like the third or fourth inning, I'm just, I'm ready to go. And usually the kids are, and we have to drag our wife away. But going to the hockey games, uh, we'll usually leave during the second intermission just to kind of beat the rush. But the music's going, the, the horns are going, the crowd's into it. Um, you know, I, the fighting thing doesn't really appeal to me. You know, it is what it is. And I realize a lot of people like that part of hockey. Um, but you know, just some fast paced goal scoring. Uh, it's definitely a a really fun way to spend an evening. Yeah. I think we're fortunate that we have really a a world-class organization here in our hometown. So as far as minor league hockey goes, I mean, in, in the ECHL, the East coast league where they play, I mean, they consistently win awards for game ops they consistently win awards for fan experience and deservedly so i mean i've been to a a couple of other arenas in the league and and nothing even remotely compares to the action we got going on in toledo i mean as far as the excitement of the game i'm pretty sure you could put me watching five-year-olds that can't skate playing hockey and i'd still be entertained with the on ice product but uh yeah, the, the game ops, just what they do in Toledo, the way they get the fans involved to get somebody like you that doesn't love hockey in any way excited about the game. I mean, hats off to the job we're doing here in Toledo. Yeah, and again, like we don't have it on the TV at home or whatever, but, you know, we'll bring the kids and, you know, they'll do like a Star Wars night and Harry Potter night and Marvel nights. And, you know, they got people in costumes walking around for the kids to see and take pictures of. And all that, you know, they're they're giving stuff away and uh, getting the crowd involved for chants and stuff like that. It's just really, it's really a good time, a good way to spend uh, uh, with the family on a weekend night or whatnot. So, uh, yeah, really, uh, minor league uh, hockey, minor league baseball in Toledo. It's definitely something uh, to do if you like sports. All right, Andy and. Uh, something that kind of, I want to segue, uh, this affects both basketball and hockey and what I'm about to say about college football. Uh, the NBA ratings have been way down this year uh, since uh, since they resumed from COVID. I don't know if the NHL has been you know the same, more or less, but I would have thought that real sports coming back, people – not everybody's social distancing and quarantining and staying home, but certainly more than normal. I would have thought all eyes would have been glued on the TV. And, but this goes along with the college football, which is the next thing we're going to talk about. I have not watched a ton of college football this year. Uh, so maybe my reliance on Ohio State is a bigger deal than I thought it was. But why do you think ratings have been down in a lot of these sporting events? And, and have you been watching any college football this year? Uh, I mean, I'll start with the easiest answer first. I've been, I've had college football on more than I would have expected, uh, considering I'm a pretty solid Big Ten. Maybe I'll throw on a Mac game, but I tend to watch local stuff. So, 
you know, there's been games on that have not had teams with any local appeal, but yeah, I've probably thrown on something at least. I probably, I probably watch at least part of a game every weekend so far. As far as the ratings, that is a surprise to me. I, I honestly don't know the answer to the NHL. Um, I know a couple of the finals games were in NBC sports instead of, you know, regular kind of broadcast NBC. So that that's always a little bit of a kick in the nuts to not even have the finals be on broadcast TV. Um, that surprises me too, because man, you know, in, in April and May, I'm at, I was desperate for anything. I watched, I think I watched Latvian hockey because that was the only thing that was on. I'm not even joking. I took pictures of it. Uh, I may be wrong about the country, but it, it was an Eastern European hockey league. And I mean, it, it was brutal, like YouTube translate, trying to get the the subtitles of what's going on. And I couldn't figure out what was going on, but it, it was just hockey. So it was any live sports. Um, I mean, I watched when Tiger and Tom Brady played Peyton and uh, Phil Mickelson. And that was barely competitive, but it was... I mean, it was sports. It was people on TV doing anything competitive. So that is definitely shocking that that things are down. I guess maybe the the only explanation I can think of is maybe it's the people that are kind of in those cities that'll get caught up, the real casual people. You know, maybe the people in LA that wouldn't normally pick up a game. Then it's like, oh, the Lakers are in, and we, you know, when the city's a buzz and you're around other people, maybe it's a little bit different to be social and watch those. But that is surprising. I mean, with the NBA Finals, I could maybe see it just being the teams. Not, I mean, the Lakers would draw, but Miami is not necessarily, you know, it's, it's not the Lakers and the Celtics. No, Miami had a hard time drawing even when LeBron and Dwayne Wade were in the Finals back in the day. Um, so that's definitely a good point. The league absolutely love, would have loved to have seen Boston make it over Miami and have another Lakers-Celtics Finals for sure. Um, yeah, the only that's a really good point about the social experience. You're not going to be, you know, at a restaurant and all of a sudden, you know, the game turns on and now you've got, you know, the restaurant is a buzz, the bar is a buzz, and casual people are like, oh, yeah, I guess our team's in the finals, you know, and it might schedule to watch that game, you know, another night, you know, when they're at home. Uh, so that's definitely a good point. You know, you don't have the community aspect as much. You know, people coming over for house parties and going out to restaurants and all that. The only other thing I can really think of is maybe habits changed. You know, we were in the pandemic for so long that, you know, people said, okay, there's no sports. I'm going to fill my time with some other way. And maybe sports have taken somewhat of a more difficult time, taking a longer time to get back into people's, you know, mainstream lives. Are there new episodes of Tiger King that we that we're missing out on? <laughs> Not that I know of right now. No. Man, I've just been thirsty for sports, so yeah, I could maybe see that argument. But I mean, I've gotten my wife to watch sports, and she does. She is far from a sports fan. But yeah, I mean, teams that don't even necessarily have local appeal to her, she'll at least sit down and be like, "Yeah, I mean, let's throw on a quarter of football because, geez, we haven't watched sports in a while." So. Yeah, maybe its patterns have changed. And I know with the NHL, especially at the beginning of the bubble, I mean, there were games that were being played at noon. You know, games aren't being played necessarily in those primetime spots. And I'm sure the NBA was the same way having the bubble. So I don't know if maybe that had an effect. I mean, for me, I probably watched even more because 
working from home, you know, I'm going to throw the game up on the TV at three o'clock while I finish my work day. So I, I probably watch even more with that schedule. I love it. I wish we could get some afternoon games, afternoon weekday games, March Madness style every year. But I mean, maybe that had something to do with it. Yeah, maybe. So I haven't watched as much. Again, I've had some college football on, you know, uh, the Auburn Georgia game uh, last weekend was on, you know, again, whatever that big marquee game is, you know, we have it on the TV my wife and I are, you know, watching it with one or two eyes, depending on how the kids are acting. Um, but just a couple of things I wanted to go over from the college football season that have kind of stood out to me so far. Um, the Big 12 just seem like seems like it's a mess. Uh, Texas, Oklahoma, and TCU have all lost so far. And, you know, before the season really got going, you know, I thought it would be pretty common logic to say, the winner of the SEC, the winner of the Big Ten, the winner of the Big 12, the winner of the ACC. And now it's to the point where I kind of wonder, uh, you know, is the Big 12 going to send out anybody this year, especially if their premier teams are going to keep losing? Yeah, I mean, that's a rough start. We're, they're, what, two weeks in at this point? Three weeks in, maybe? Yeah, I think about three weeks in now or whatever. So, um, Yeah, I think Oklahoma lost their first one. Yeah, and uh, – to not a very good tactic was the Kansas state. Maybe it was somebody who was not very good. Um, so that's, it's definitely interesting. Uh, you know, Oklahoma has traditionally been the power that's come out of that conference uh, and they've already lost the game. Uh, so we'll definitely have to keep an eye on them. Uh, uh, the sec West minus Alabama, LSU, Auburn and Texas A&M also already have losses. So, you know, what usually ends up being Alabama versus LSU or Alabama versus Auburn, there being some kind of, uh, you know, race to the finish of the season to see who's going to be the winner of the division. Uh, that could be Alabama's, you know, early. But Florida looks good. Georgia looks good. Uh, the winner of the SEC East could be maybe that second SEC team that sneaks into the playoffs. Uh, and then the only other note I have here is the ACC has four teams in the top 10 right now. Now, granted, the top 10 is not completely filled out because we don't have the Big Ten and to a much lesser extent the Pac-12 playing at all. Uh, but you have Clemson, which everybody knows they're always going to be right in the top five. Uh, but you have Miami. It's all about the U. UNC, Notre Dame are all up there right now. So we'll see what happens in the ACC as well. Well, the results of this will be out by the time the pod drops, but uh, Clemson and Miami play tomorrow. So we'll probably shake one of them out of the top 10 real quick here. Yeah, that's going to um, be a big, that's going to be a big early game. Uh, April and I have a wedding to go to tomorrow. So that might have to be a phone under the table type situation for the brief amount of time that we're there. So going back to, to random games that I caught and going back to the Big 12, I had uh, Baylor and West Virginia on last weekend. I can't remember if it was noon or 3.30. I remember I was definitely folding a ton of towels while I had this on. And that game went to overtime. I believe it was tied 14th going into overtime. A game in the Big 12 was tied at two touchdowns apiece. I was blown away. I thought games in the Big 12 going to overtime, it, it had to be like 49-49 at least before overtime started. So shocking entertaining i think west virginia pulled out the win at home yeah that's certainly a decision to have baylor west virginia on the tv i mean hey <laughs> there, there wasn't a whole lot to watch but 
I, I was shocked at how low scoring it was for a Big 12 game. I don't know if that means anything, but maybe they finally discovered that you can play defense in the Big 12. I don't know. I don't know who told them, but uh, it doesn't seem to be working out for them as a league necessarily. They're <laughs> true. Oklahoma lost again, by the way. I don't know if you saw that. They are one and two. They oh lost to goodness. Iowa State as well. You were right about Kansas State, but they lost to Iowa State as well. Wow. Well, well, you know, it's just not their year. Boomer Sooner will not will, will not be in the playoff this year. Oh well, I'm not shedding any tears D- for them. Disappointed, just in the sense that Spencer Rattler is one of the better names in college football this year. <laughs> oh. The snake. Very nice. Um, yeah, so we got two more weeks until the Big Ten is back. October 24th, remember, is that first game. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to seeing Ohio State football again. Uh, but for now, I'll just be checking in, see how the big teams uh, are doing. Clemson, Miami is definitely appealing. I have to get my turnover chain out and wear it during the game, see what happens. But yeah, Andy, what's going on in the NFL? All right. So we're definitely going to start on the lighthearted side. Did you catch any of the Tampa Chicago Thursday night game? (laughs) I did. Yes. So I watched this game live. I watched the first quarter and then I watched probably the last five minutes and I could not figure out what Tom Brady was doing at the end of the game, why he was throwing up the four fingers at the ref. And then I said, Oh my God, Tom Brady thinks Tom Brady thinks he just threw that pass on third down. (laughs) Well, Andy, he is a Michigan alum and we know counting is not their strong suit. True or false though. If Tom Brady was still in new England, threw that incompletion and looked at the ref and threw up the four fingers, they'd have given him another down and he'd have got to play fifth down, right? I, I do think that's how it works. Yeah, I mean, Belichick <laughs> slips the ref a 20 and, you know, we get one more down. So that that was definitely an entertaining moment. Um, I, I mean, Tom Brady looks good maybe, but not great. From I, I've caught a couple, couple of the Bucks games. I watched a little bit of their game against uh, the Saints in week one, and then I, I watched a bit of that Thursday night game. And, and I don't know. I don't know. I was, I was maybe hoping for a little bit more for Tom Brady has a lot of weapons around him in Tampa, and I don't know that he's produced. I, the end may finally be coming. I don't think it's here, but maybe it's on the horizon. Dude, Father Time is undefeated. I know that's that's so oversaid, but like Peyton Manning, granted, he had the neck surgeries, but in that last year when the Broncos won a championship, he was awful. He, you know, he was still obviously super savvy. He knows how to run the offense, uh, can audible and and hot route and all of that. But you just you lose the ability to move the throw the ball downfield to scramble out of the pocket. And it just looks like, you know, that's what's happening to Tom Brady. And uh, his timer is limited now before he's going to be done. It'll it'll be a sad day when Tom Brady is out of the NFL. Though I think he's he talk about goats. I think Tom Brady has to be up there for the goat conversation. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I don't think there's really a, a whole lot of question, and I and I don't feel, you know, I don't know why you sound like you feel bad for him. Oh, he has to go home to Giselle and his family and his millions and millions of dollars. Ooh, sounds like such a rough life. Uh, maybe he can finally start drinking coffee, and I mean, <laughs> he'll really get, catch that second wind as he eases into his fifties when he finally retires. Yeah, I want. 
I, I hope that Tom Brady's second career is he's going to be like the ShamWow guy. Because I don't know like how much like you know about Tom Brady or whatever, but his like you know his avocado ice cream and the fact that he thinks that like if you just drink water, you know you won't get sunburn and UV damage from the sun. Like he's got some pretty crazy ideas, and I feel like you know somebody gets in his ear and says, "Oh yeah, I got this special thing that's gonna keep you young and vital forever." I mean, you might you might see him popping up on commercials, hawking some stuff. TB twelve. Yeah. So now nah, Tom, Tom Brady's going to be the next spokesperson for Regeneron. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> oh, oh, we'll get, no, we'll I, get I, there. We'll get there. I, I kid. They, they already have a guy. <laughs> um, in other NFL news, uh, the NFC East is still terrible. Just awful. The Eagles are leading the division at one, two and one. Um, and I guess sticking in the NFC East, what the hell is Washington doing with Dwayne Haskins? They are making him inactive for the next game, so I don't know what he did. I don't know who he pissed off. Uh, his numbers, I think, were close to career highs in the last game. He threw like for like 300 yards, no interceptions in the last game, and they're benching him to bring back. Actually, I don't. I don't. I'm not sure that Alex Smith is ready yet, so I don't even know who the backup is in Washington. But they're, they're doing our man dirty. I think they're uh, the Kyle Allen. I believe is going to be the starter uh, this week for him. Yeah. Uh, okay. For the Washington football team, and uh, I th- didn't he play for like he was coming for Carolina? Like, so maybe there's the Ron Rivera connection or whatever. But I saw something on Twitter earlier today where it was like Dwayne Haskins. You know, the first 15 games or you know however many he's played compared favorably to what Josh Allen's numbers were. And like, this is way too early. Again, you and I are homers. Uh, I got a lot of feedback about that. We were crazy about taking Dwayne Haskins over Justin Fields uh, in our, in our Ohio state football episode. Uh, yeah. The look on your face is exactly how I felt. I was very confused on that, but uh, it is way too early to bench this guy. What are they doing? And what weapons does he have in Washington besides Terry McLaurin? Yeah, and and just the line, the defense, like this this feels super premature to me. Um, and you know, if it's you know maybe it's just the new GM, new coach, uh, and they just want their guys in there. But I don't. This seems way too early to move off Dwayne Haskins. And, uh, you know, for Haskins' sake, I almost hope maybe he just gets a second a second opportunity somewhere else that's going to actually give him a fair shake because it, I mean, that franchise is, is a complete disaster, and I don't I don't think there's much debate on that. I mean, Grant, I actually watched a good amount of his game two games ago. I believe the game where he was kind of awful. I think he had three or four turnovers, and he he threw some very questionable passes. Um, but he's young, and he's not on a good team, so. I don't know. Maybe let's get some weapons, uh, get a better offensive line, and then, you know, give him actually a, a real sample size to show you whether he's good or not. Sticking with Buckeyes in the National Football League, it was uh, week four was was rough injury wise. I don't know if you saw this, but Malik Hooker and Nick Bosa, I think it was like within minutes of each other, went down both with season-ending injuries. Uh, Hooker tore the Achilles. Nick Bosa tore the ACL. I want to say Paris Campbell was also hurt and that he, he was lost for the season, but 
I just saw kind of the, the pop-up injuries at the bottom of the screen. I was like, Jesus, those are all Ohio State alumni. So it was it was a rough week for our Buckeyes in the league. So those those guys will be out too. Well, I mean, Bosa won Defensive Player of the Year. I think Hooker was probably in the top three finalists for that. So, I mean, these are these are real good Buckeyes that went down. Yeah, that's a bummer. I usually just end up rooting for whichever team has more Buckeyes when I'm watching an NFL game. Because, again, I had no real allegiance to any NFL team. Um, so, yeah, that's always a bummer when that happens. Uh, Andy, I ended this last NFL topic um, kind of right at the last minute. I haven't followed it a ton, but it seems like the Tennessee Titans are the epicenter for COVID in, in the NFL right now. Um, and speaking of Ohio State alums, Coach Mike Rabel, um, I don't know what's going on over there. Uh, I heard that the team had a workout the day after the NFL told them they were not allowed to have a workout. Um, and now we have more and more positive tests. They've had to shift a bunch of their games. Um, and if they keep having more positive tests, they might actually have to start forfeiting games or doing really funny schedule magic to try and uh, uh, play the the normal 16 games that they have to. Um, so I'm keeping my eye on this. Baseball made it. Uh, baseball made it all the way through a season, uh, even though they had some early season scares with teams getting ravaged by COVID. Uh, it seems for the most part that you know teams have had you know a player here or there test positive, but uh, this, uh, the Titans are really the only team that's had a full-blown outbreak, and it'll be curious to see uh, whether it can be quashed or whether it's going to spread out of control. Yeah, if it gets to the point where they're going to be forced to forfeit games, I'd be curious about the legal ramifications of that. I wonder if that's something that was kind of put on the table at, before the season started where you know franchises went in kind of knowing, hey, it, if you don't get things under control or if you can't keep things under control, you may be held liable, miss out on games. But if they weren't, which I tend to think is probably the way it went with the NFL, um, it, it'll be interesting to see that kind of play out because inevitably that franchise will be very upset if that happens. I'm sure there'll be all sorts of legal battles, which, I mean, I think the legal battles from COVID in general will probably go on. I mean, that they will outlast my lifetime, I'm sure. Um, but it'll just be interesting to see if, if they're forced to forfeit some of those games, what that's going to look like as far as an appeals process. Yeah. And I mean, the NFL is going to be coming down on them hard. They've requested, you know, uh, video footage from the facility. Uh, you know, they're, they're gathering information and interviewing people about how, uh, whether people are actually complying with all of the policies that the NFL laid out and that teams agree to. So I'm sure the NFL has covered their butt. Uh, I, I'm sure they only want to do this as a very, very last resort. Um, but if you don't follow policy and your team has an, an outbreak that can't be controlled, uh, there are going to be consequences. I've heard rumors, again, the usual of draft picks and fines um, and suspensions and all of that. So, uh, you know, hopefully they can turn it around um, and this won't derail their season. Uh, but you know, hopefully we're not at a tipping point where, you know, this gets any worse and it starts getting out of control. It could have reverberations throughout the whole league. So they're still not in as bad a shape as the Texans. So I guess they can hang their head on that. <laughs> oh, can we, can we wave goodbye to Bill O'Brien? We can wave goodbye to Bill O'Brien. He's out. 
I mean, I, I think when he traded DeAndre Hopkins, he was probably out. It was just a matter of when they were going to get mad enough to say, all right, dude, you seriously got to go. And that moment is gone. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap us up with sports. Again, we got two more weeks until the Buckeyes are back. Football's uh, in full force. The NBA is winding down. So the, the NFL and college are really going to have to carry us. Uh, the the sports here is all kinds of out of whack. You said that the NHL is coming back in early January. Uh, I believe the NBA was slated to come back in December, but it's pretty much assumed that that's going to be pushed back into January. So the year's gonna, you know, be a little different from a scheduling perspective. But uh, you know, the longer we can have football, basketball, and hockey in our lives, and have it not just be baseball, the happier I'm going to be. Yeah, it was nice to have the summer be actually decent sports instead of just being stuck with baseball. For sure. All right, Andy, we've done a lot of politics uh, over the last two episodes. They're just some stories that cannot be ignored, uh, but we're going to keep it lighthearted and we're going to move through them pretty quickly. Uh, So in what I would call it was only a matter of time, the president of the United States and his wife and at least 30 plus members of the white house that we know of uh, have now tested positive for coronavirus initial reactions. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you're right that as far as uh, this was pretty inevitable, I have been enjoying reading the, the social media, the white house coronavirus outbreak is bigger than, you know, the daily totals for, X, Y, or Z countries. I think Vietnam was on the list. So the the White House has more cases than the entire country of Vietnam, certainly more than New Zealand. So I think those are just a a little bit amusing in a a really dark and actually kind of sad way. Man, I'm so politics out. (laughs) I'm just going to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. The only only thing I really want to touch on for this is the the 64 thousand dollar question is when was president trump's last negative test because we'll never know i mean they're not gonna tell the truth so we'll never know i know but like so it started as well hope hicks was positive and she was probably the one who infected the president and now it seems very clear based on how reticent they've been to release this information that trump might actually be one of the first people who tested positive and trump might have been positive or at least known that he was in contact with a COVID positive person before and during the presidential debate when he was six feet away from hopefully the next president of the United States, Joe Biden. So uh, I can't, you know, that is unconscionable. If that is true, how reckless that is, Uh, it should not be surprising. and, And it is not surprising to me that he, he would do that because again, if he has to, you know, withdraw from the first debate because he's positive. Uh, you know, again, that's a death knell probably for his campaign, uh, for his reelection. Uh, he goes, he goes in the Walter Reed. He even has the Walter Reed doctors sounding like pathetic politicians of, uh, and dodging information about uh, what his condition is. He's on three different very powerful drugs. Uh, one of them uh, that was developed on using uh, a board of tissue so just you know just gonna let that hang out there uh for anybody that finds that interesting uh but dexamethasone is very strong steroid um 
you know, it's that is only recommended for patients who are severely uh, have severe cases of COVID. Uh, we're never going to know exactly what happened. And again, I, I, I will say, you know, a person's uh, personal medical history, even for the president is, you know, not something that maybe everyone's entitled to, but you know, he has, he's, he has COVID uh, it's indicative of how much he he's failed uh, in his response to the pandemic. And I, I don't have anything really more to say about it. Yeah. I do think my initial reaction to just all of the, the upper or over the timeline is truthfully with the election on the horizon, does it matter? I, I, I'd imagine you could come out and say he knew he went to the debate knowing he was reckless around people. I can't imagine that's going to honestly sway any voters. I, I, I honestly can't imagine there's anybody out there that's voting for Trump that's going to say, oh, but you know what? But since he was irresponsible for that, with that, I'm not going to vote for him. So I, yeah, sure, it's an, it, I think it's an interesting story, but at the same time, I just can't imagine that actually having any sort of effect because I think people, much like they have with who they're going to vote for, have already just drawn the battle lines and how they feel about COVID. And I think there's a fair number of people out there that it wouldn't bother them one bit if he knowingly went to a debate, stood six feet away from Biden and infected them. Yeah, I mean, all fair points. I don't know who's left, who's still undecided at this point. So you know, it is what it is. Uh, the other night we had the first and only vice presidential debate. And Andy, this was a snooze fest. Yeah. So um, John Mulaney with the comeback kid, it's on Netflix. I would suggest you go and watch it. That's what I did at about the uh, 40 minute mark of the vice presidential debate. I said, I'm not watching any more of this. This is awful. And I put on that comedy special and it was, it was great. So um, no regrets there. Uh, yeah, it was, I, I, again, I, I certainly can't see that moving really anybody's opinion on anything. I think hundred percent of the reactions I read were the person I liked did a great job and the person I don't like did a terrible job. I didn't think either debater was particularly endearing i don't think there were aside from the comical moments i don't think there were really any big moments i mean i don't i don't think there were any surprises i i take that back i think the one surprise was i mean susan rice what are you doing that was a terrible i i mean if there was any loser it was i at one point i just assumed that she was doing shots and, and had passed out at the moderator's table because she was awful awful i mean Chris Wallace lost control of the debates, but I don't think Susan Rice even tried. So I, I would say she's the big loser there. Hmm. I liked her questions quite a bit because I feel like they were more grounded in reality of what's actually happening in the United States. But you're right. I mean, she just didn't, you know, try to moderate. Again, I don't, the, the title of the position is moderator. I mean, it's an actual, you know, you have to do a verb. You have to keep the, the, the two candidates in line and make them stick to the rules and you know again i'm going to skip around uh, a little bit so uh, this whole debate uh the two big takeaways were one there was a fly who landed on pence's head and for a couple of minutes and already has a hundred thousand uh twitter followers uh so and, and pence had pink eye and people who were uh questioning the source of how he got pink eye so those with those being the two big takeaways uh you know, people to 
I'm sure turned it tuned in for the first five minutes to see if this was going to be the shit show that the presidential debate was. And then as soon as they found out that it wasn't going to be, it just turned into a standard VP debate and a standard VP debate doesn't move, uh, you know, people's opinions at all. So, um, and again, it was completely washed away the very next day because the very next day the debate commission comes out and says the second presidential debate, which was slated for next week, is going to be virtual based on the fact that the president might be contagious with COVID and it would be insane to bring him into a town hall with Joe Biden and a bunch of other people and put him on stage. And Trump comes out and says, I'm not doing a virtual debate. Uh, This is crazy. I I don't want to do this. And then uh, just before we started our show, the, the debate commission confirmed that there will not be a second presidential debate. So we posed the question, should Biden debate Trump again? And maybe this is going to be answered uh, for him without any real, you know, question. Yeah, I mean, I, I think personally, I was having a debate on if if that disaster happened, would I watch it? So I, I think I'm happy that I don't have to make that decision anymore. I do think it's ridiculous Trump's insistence on doing it in person. I mean, it's 2020. I don't know that there's probably many of us that haven't had to do something virtually, maybe more than one thing virtually that we don't want to. I mean, my job right now is 100% virtually. I do it from my basement. I mean, it, it's no different than the way we're recording this podcast right now. So I, I don't know what the insistence on necessarily being in person is for the, especially when the audiences are what, a couple hundred people. I, who cares? I, I mean, go off on a little bit of a tangent here, but I mean, this is the way the world is going. We're going to a virtual world. I, I don't know why people are necessarily so insistent on everything having to be in person. Um, Josh, I'd like to take a little sidebar here. Um, and this is really in the weeds here, but do you have virtual meetings at work? Like over WebEx or Zoom or something like that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All the time. Okay. Do you think it's any different or any worse than meeting in person? Hmm. I don't think that it's any worse. I do think it's different in the sense that when you are meeting in person, and again, I don't know how much this is reflected in your job, but at my work, there are like various levels of importance. So we have supervisors and managers and directors. um, And so there's definitely a certain dynamic being in person and kind of see who the big fish is and who the little fish is and how the big fish have more sway than the little fish. Uh, But if your question is, can we accomplish the same thing in an in-person meeting that we can in a zoom meeting? Yes. A hundred percent. Honestly, I think at least in my experience, I think it's more efficient. I think it's easier. I mean, I can have more meetings during the day doing it on zoom. I don't have to waste time with travel. I don't have, we don't have to, waste resources with, you know, people coming to the same location, spending an excess amount of time. So personally, I've actually loved the virtual world that we're in. I think it's so much easier. I think it's so much more efficient. And I just love what it's doing for the planet, just getting really off in the weeds. But the fact that Trump is unwilling to do it because it's virtual, get with the times, man. It's 2020. Somebody will set your computer up for you. All you got to do is talk into the can. I mean, you're going to go on some sort of a ramble anyway. You're not going to answer the questions anyway, just like in the first one. So what difference does it make if you're talking to a computer screen or if you're talking to a camera? 
Yeah, and I mean, again, like, I don't, nobody's asking Joe Biden and Donald Trump to sit in front of a laptop and, like, configure their Zoom settings. Like, this is going to be probably, you know, they did this, I believe, I want to say there was a Nixon JFK debate where they were not Mm -hmm. in person. Um, That's correct. And that was, that was, what, 50 years ago, you know, like, even longer, maybe. So, um, again, you can do this. You you don't have to be tech savvy to have this. You have people for that. There are lots of people for that. So yeah, it's just complete bullshit. Um, not a surprise. Right now, I just have this pit in my stomach. I'm just you know trying to run out the clock. You know, I keep looking at the scoreboard calendar. We go another day. We go another day closer to the election. Um, I just want it to be over. Um, I want. I, in, in my opinion, our long national nightmare to be over. Um, so if we skip the debate, it gives Trump one less chance to sway those very few still persuadable voters to his side. So um, I'm glad that there isn't going to be a second debate. We don't have to watch the second debate. And then we'll see if there's a third before we actually have election day. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I don't, I don't think as a nation we're missing out on much. It's, it's just another chance for us to embarrass ourselves. And I'm glad that that chance isn't going to be on the table for us to embarrass ourselves nationally. Not, not that we won't find other ways to do it, but at least that won't be the way that we're doing it this week. All right. The last thing that we want to talk about is different than things we've talked about before. Uh, so it came out over the last couple of days that there was a plot and the FD, FBI has arrested, I believe now we're up to 13 people in connection with a plot to kidnap and or assassinate the governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer. Andy, this is bananas. This is like a bad action movie. This is like the plot someone will come up with in like a third world country where they're trying to take down a dictator. This is nuts. So, again, just to give people a context, our neighbors to the north, uh, Gretchen Whitmer is uh, a newly elected governor. She's a Democrat. She's put in some uh, very strict pandemic-related rules and regulations as far as social distancing and shutting down businesses. Uh, She was on Joe Biden's shortlist to be vice president. Uh, So, as such, she drew the ire of President Donald Trump who, among other things, uh, as tweeted, liberate Michigan. And so a group of men, uh, some people will call them a militia. I don't know how you can't call them terrorists, uh, met uh, and hatched a plant to, uh, you know, set off some explosions, distract the cops. Uh, I think the plan was to abduct her uh, from the governor's mansion, the summer home uh, for the governor. Uh, and take her somewhere and essentially put her on trial and probably execute her. I was reading up on uh, how the FBI kind of found out about this. Apparently there were communications on Facebook that were reported. Uh, The FBI was able to put somebody in the group pretty quickly. And while they collected everybody's phones when they met, uh, they just had the honor system as far as making sure nobody was wearing a wire uh, so the FBI has all these conversations uh, recorded uh, and these uh, goobers just, you know, what what can you say about these right wing groups that, you know, the FBI and, and, you know, the CIA say these groups are, you know, large terror threats, uh, you know, in the coming years, these are going to be people who 
blow buildings up, kill people, uh, sow chaos and discord in our country. And they just, they are a threat to our, to our society. Yeah. I think my first take on this was just, this is so Michigan. I mean, what a Michigan (laughs) plan. It's, uh, you you know, it was some guys sitting in a garage drinking bush light saying we should kidnap the governor. Oh my God, we should do it. We should do it. Um, If you look at the pictures, every single one of them, every single guy looks exactly like every guy in Michigan with that, that same little kind of goatee. You know what I'm talking about? The Michigan goatee that every, it's the, it's the Brady Hoke um brady hook was not involved brady hook's a good guy there's no way he was involved in this i don't want that to be misconstrued as brady hook was involved in this he was a, a goofy football coach definitely not a terrorist these guys 100 terrorists i mean this is this is crazy this is america 2020 and the absolutely crazy thing that that isn't the joke about this is people are going to defend this and people are going to say because she put orders in place to wear masks because she wanted to shut things down that this is justified and i think this is again just really one of those sad 2020 moments of it not this is nuts and i mean if you look at like i said it's like a bad action movie and you look at it and you should say clearly these are the bad guys you know and there's going to be a hero walker texas rangers going to come in and arrest these guys right but in america in 2020 it's ambiguous if these guys are even the bad guys. And, and that's sad. I mean, to a lot of people, they're, they're clearly the bad guys, but there will be people that look at this and say, well, well, and try and justify it. And that's nuts. It is nuts. Um, you know, president Joe Biden is not going to tell these groups to stand back and stand by and law and order. <laughs> and, and so, you know, this group uh, titled the Wolverine Watchmen. Again, you just can't trust anything coming out of the state of Michigan. Yeah, I didn't know there was a Wolverine Watchmen. That's 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 funny. <laughs> Wolverine fans, look what you are accountable for. Come on now. So that I, I don't want to talk about. I, again, you're right. I'm so politics out right now. I just want to, you know, get to November, have this election. Hopefully we don't have a a Bush versus Gore court case that spans months and will give me three to five ulcers. Hopefully we'll have a nice, easy blue wave uh, that uh, gives us a very obvious new president and we can put this in the past. So I dropped off our applications for our absentee ballots today. So I'll be curious to see, maybe I'll, I'll keep everybody updated on how long it takes to actually receive them. So today is the, the ninth for, uh, for the future's sake so we'll see how quick with the way things are going with the post office and, and if we get them on the first try so hopefully everything goes smooth there yeah i've had our applications in for like a month or so now at least so uh they didn't start mailing out ballots i think until this week so i i am also curious to see how long it's going to take and i will almost certainly just be bringing mine to a Dropbox uh and not risking it going in the mail um on the return trip so uh, all right, that's going to put an end to our news politics session. Uh, thanks for bearing with us, everyone, as I know we've been really heavy on that over the last couple of weeks. Andy, uh, let's move to our list of the week. It's the list of the week. So uh, you, as we established, are the TV guy. I'm more of a movie guy. I thought I was going to have a real hard time coming up with our top five favorite TV characters going to be the list this week um but 
after I had a little brainstorming session with my wife, I realized that there were there were more people uh, than I thought there would be. So, Andy, before we jump into our list, just give me a little bit about, you know, again, what appeals to you about TV uh, and maybe something that you're looking, you know, a common thread that unites a lot of your uh, your TV characters. Yes, yeah, so I don't know if there's necessarily a, a common thread, and I think I've tried to cover people over uh, a variety of times in my life. Uh, we'll get really get on streaks at my house where we kind of get interested in something. So true, I guess not true, necessarily true crime. So in my podcast world, which I'm sure we'll do a podcast list sometime, I'm a true crime guy. I am a crime guy in general, though I'm like a criminal minds kind of guy. I'm like, uh, uh, we got really into British crime shows for a while. That was... Jeez, before the pandemic hit. So I, I guess we're coming up on like a, a year ago now. I mean, we, we really got deep into to some British crime. So it was a broad church kind of kicked that out for us. We watched Luther. We watched a lot of like that, that BBC stuff. And then just, you know, kind of that refreshing comedy. So we'll, we'll kind of go down some, some dark rabbit holes where we watch a lot of that, that crime stuff. It's, and, and that British crime stuff gets, gets really deep, you know. The American stuff, if you watch like the CSIs or you watch the, the Criminal Minds, there's always that little love story or something that kind of brings it back. British people don't mess around, though. They will just talk straight murder. It will be gory and it will be brutal. And there is kind of none of that silver lining. It Sometimes the show ends with everybody unhappy because, you know, it's England. And I think that's just how things go over <laughs> there. So, so every once in a while after we get go down, too far down a British crime rabbit hole, we need a little bit of that palate cleanser. So we'll bring it back to something funny. That sounds reasonable. Um, yeah, the, the advantage I'm going to give TV over movies is, again, there's a reason that we did TV characters over TV shows, and that's because the you, know, you have so much time. You can really flush out a character. Uh, you can make them three-dimensional. You can see their, their, their pluses and their minuses. You really get attached to them. Um, as far as my personal TV palette, uh, I am on the opposite end of the spectrum as you like there's enough shit in the real world that I mostly want my TV to be lighthearted funny um, you know there's some more serious shows but maybe they might have a fantasy element so I can disassociate them from the real world um, but you know like for example I tried to watch Chernobyl on HBO uh, you know it was only five hours it's supposed to be this really highly acclaimed show about what happened, uh, you know, as the, as the facility, you know, you know, was just destroyed basically. And I just, after the first hour, I just, it was so dark. It was so just depressing. I was just like, this is really good, but it's not so good that I want to be depressed for four more hours. Um, and so I put it away and I have not come back to it and I really don't intend on coming back to it. So before we dive into our list, Andy, any runner-ups, anybody you want to shout out before we get into our top fives? Yeah, I hit a couple that as I sat and, and reflected on the list a little bit that I ended up getting kicked off. Um, so Eric Foreman, that 70s show, I feel like that was something that we were really into like in, in the high school era. So I wanted to give a little bit of a nod to that. So Eric Foreman ended up, get, ended up getting edged out for me. And uh, I wasn't sure about animated characters or not. So... I went with all live action, but if we would have went animated characters, I think Homer Simpson and Eric Cartman would have made those lists for me. Great choices. Uh, a long running bit that uh, we had in our friend circle in high school um, was that you and our friend Zach and 
couple others there you know there was always a ton of simpsons references and i was growing up for whatever reason my parents drew the line and said the simpsons is not appropriate for you i was never allowed to watch it and you know eventually i got to the point where it was just on for so long and i just never came back around to it and every time i watch the simpsons i'm just like wow this is hilarious and i really feel like i missed out on something uh so maybe at some point i'll have to you know, go down memory lane and, and start watching some of those seasons. But uh, strong choices. I also have some uh, uh, characters on my uh, runner-up list and a couple animated. Um, I went way back in the time machine. Uh, and Donatello is always the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle I identified with the most. Uh, so I wanted to shout him out. Um, you know, again, I have freely admitted to being a nerd on this podcast. No shame on my end. Uh, I had a very long stretch of Dragon Ball Z when I was, you know, preteen. Uh, Goku from Dragon Ball Z. Uh, there was so much fluff in that series, but there really were some uh, uh, some excellent fight episodes, uh, and so I love that. And then I have two real life characters who I uh, kept off my list, but have been very strong uh, characters uh that i appreciate and one of them is john oliver who my wife and i watch his show on hbo uh whenever it's on uh you know he's really that spiritual successor to uh, john stewart and stephen colbert who i watched a ton of on comedy central back in the day and i just love his program you know he'll take a really deep dive into something uh rather obscure but important and uh, interesting to learn about uh, and then my other, and then my other character from back when we were kids is Bill Nye, um, and I, I remember watching Bill Nye the Science Guy. Uh, I definitely thought it was uh, he did some cool things, and that you know maybe that in some small way sparked my interest in science. But Bill Nye has also been in the public eye lately as just this hilarious old man who is not that buttoned up kid from the TV show. Uh, you know, he's taken a bit, a bit where he, he took a flamethrower to the globe uh, as far as like detailing about climate change. Uh, and he is very much a person who stands up for science and the scientific method and makes it bluntly clear that uh, if you don't uh, think that kind of stuff is important, uh, maybe there's something wrong with you. So those are my runner ups. Bill Nye's a great, what, what a comeback. I mean, Bill Nye was cool when we were kids, and then he disappeared. He disappeared for what, probably 10, 20 years, and then just came back. I mean, maybe he was always there, and we just weren't paying attention to him. But I mean, yeah, I mean, Bill Nye spits fire these days. I, I love following him on social media. Okay, Andy, do you want to give us your number five? Yeah, so normally I order mine as far as you know it's like a rank order I, I don't know if i necessarily did that this time maybe i did maybe i didn't so uh yeah I'll, I'll start at the bottom of my list so i will start with uh dr spencer reed from criminal minds absolute legendary show at the end of it i think was brutal i mean the last the last season was awful the the penultimate season was also not great but i think he was a character so I don't know if you're a criminal minds guy, but he's kind of the nerdy character. He's the young PhD that will kind of have the, oh, oh, put it together moment where he kind of, you know, mm -hmm. puts everything together. He just sort of, like you said, I mean, when you know somebody for was it 12 seasons, whatever that show went on for you, you get emotionally attached. And I think he was the, 
the character from Criminal Minds that I kind of resonated with most. So Dr. Spencer Reed is top or is, is number five on my list. And that show's pretty dark, right? Like I hadn't really watched I haven't really watched very much of it at all. If I was to pick something close to that, you know, with not having a ton of knowledge, you know, I've watched a ton of Law and Order SVU in my day. But I thought Criminal Minds is usually even darker than that. Yeah, so Ice T I think should have probably been a runner up on my list too, because Ice T on SVU is hilarious. I don't think he's a good character, but he is a funny character unintentionally. For sure. Uh, but yeah, Criminal Minds tends to be a bit darker, a little bit gorier. I mean, they they try to fluff it up a little bit with with romance every once in a while, but uh, yeah, it it is a little bit on the darker side. Okay, so. I was going to just leave this completely off the list, but I'm going to have to rant for a bit. So you say that Criminal Minds had an awful last season. And when I started my list, there were several Game of Thrones characters that I was debating over who was actually going to make the list. But Benioff and Weiss fucked up the last two seasons so badly, left such a bad taste in my mouth, that I just can't even bring myself to put, you know, one of the characters on the list. There were so many good characters. And Andy, I, again, I know you are the the anti-fantasy guy. And Game of Thrones is a very, you know, it's a pretty low fantasy settings as far as fantasy goes. But this show captured my wife, who is in that same boat as you. This show captured Zank, who is in that same boat as you. The first six seasons are some of the best tv that has ever been made and and then they ran out of book material and they kind of had the ad lib uh the last two seasons a bit they only had the large strokes from the author of the series uh to to late you know to come in for the landing and they fucked it up so bad you know to the point where since the show has ended i haven't really thought about the show very much it's still i'm just i'm just Feel my blood pressure rising as I'm, I'm having this conversation. Man, they uh, the, a bad ending to a show can really you know, can really mess it up. And and there are no Game of Thrones characters on my list. So uh, number five on my actual list, and again, mine aren't particularly ranked either. I know people love to make fun of people who like this show, but I'm going to pick Leonard from The Big Bang Theory. Solid choice. That's so, that, that's a, an iconic show. So, you know, the character most people would identify from that show is Sheldon Cooper, obviously. Um, but Leonard's always kind of the character that I identify with the most. You know, he's kind of, you know, he's pretty vanilla, um, you know, kind of just is observ- observing all of his friends' crazy antics, which I feel like I particularly identified with in high school and college. Um, ended up, you know, the average looking guy that ended up with a smoking hot significant other. So uh, I, I feel like I identify with that as well. Um, and I never, you know, sat down to watch this show from start to finish, you know, season by season. Uh, but I've seen so many episodes so many times. It's really just a fun way to spend a half an hour. Uh, and so that's number five on my list. Yeah, that's, that's a great lighthearted show. Like you said, it's, it's only the half hour, so you're not too committed to it. It's something that's pretty much always on TV. So not nobody that's going to make the top five on the list for me but that is definitely a solid show and leonard is a pretty funny character so i like that choice we'll uh we'll go ahead and keep it in comedy um so number four on my list uh did you watch Shit's creek josh so this is a giant hole in my resume i have very many of those 
Uh, April actually had also not watched any of it, and she just started it. So she was very excited to see that there was a character on this show that was in your top five. Uh, but no, I have not watched any of Shit's Creek. So we're going to stop recording. You're going to go watch all five seasons, <laughs> and then we're going to come back. Yeah, I saw that it cleaned up at the uh, the last award show, just dominated the comedy category. As it should have. It is an um, incredible show. Um, so I don't know if I've named the character yet, but the character for me is Moira Rose, Catherine O'Hara. Hilarious. Um, probably not necessarily the, the number one character you would think of on the show. So I think she actually got the, the award for lead actress, which I thought was a little ridiculous because to me, I think the kids are kind of the main characters of the show. So, so she plays the mother in the show. Um, and I thought the kid, I would have considered the kids to be the main characters and the kind of the parents to be supporting. I guess that's not the way it went down, but she is known for having the, these. So the premise of the show, I, I think, I feel like I have to go into it a little bit. So they're these rich people from New York and they end up getting audited and getting in trouble for taxes. So they end up having to go to this town called Schitt's Creek, which they had bought for their son. They had bought literally bought the town as a joke because they were so rich that they're like well just buy this town it's hilarious and so they gave it to him for his birthday and it's the only place that they had anywhere to be so they end up living under this motel in in Shits creek i mean i don't even know if it's in the united states or canada it's a completely canadian cast so it, i mean it could be anywhere but it's this backwater town and, and they're rich in the first couple of seasons it starts a little slow because the, the family's not likable at the beginning because they're just so rich and they're around kind of these regular everyday folk and they're they're kind of dicks and it's kind of hard to get into it for a little while but uh, so she has this collection of wigs that she just so 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 she's always just kind of you know grace and and opulence and richness and she just thinks she's so great and she's just around these regular people so she has these collections of wigs and she has just these ridiculous fine dresses that she wears you know to the local cafe just totally out of place but then she really kind of rounds into she becomes so much more of a regular person but just her pronunciations of the words are hilarious every time she comes on screen i'm just on the edge of my seat just because she's going to say something hilarious usually unintentionally usually she says something just just dumb sticks her foot in her mouth but a great character so more of a rose number four on my list and with how much i'm gushing she probably should have been number one wow it definitely uh makes a strong case to uh to go ahead and watch this show uh weirdly our list kind of aligned to i have my next uh character number four on my list is also a tv character uh from a really rich family that Starts out very unlikable and probably remains more unlikable than than your character. Uh, my number four is Kendall Roy from the HBO show Succession. Andy, have you watched any Succession? No, I've heard so much about it and I want to do it, but HBO is like the one thing we don't have. So that that is HBO in general is just a hole in my resume. So we're going to have to see if we can get some login information type shenanigans going on. Andy. This show is, I watched the whole first season. And at the end of the first season, I was like, do I like this TV show? Is this, is this good? Like, am I enjoying myself? And I thought about it for a while. And then season two started. And after the first episode, I was like, this show is amazing. And I love these characters. Uh, to give somewhat of a premise of the show, this show is loosely, loosely, loosely based off the Murdoch family uh, that owns Fox News. 
Um, it is a an, a very old uh, father who's in the you know twilight of his career, and he's working uh, you know on a succession plan for how his business is going to go. He, he has uh, a handful of children; they're all maneuvering uh, to you know, become the heir apparent to this media empire. Kendall Roy is. Uh, he's not the oldest son, uh, but he is the heir apparent. Uh, he has a, a ridiculous drug problem. Uh, he's definitely kind of a character that has huge, obvious weaknesses and flaws. And and again, like, you know, millionaire, billionaire, uh, completely unrelatable as a person. Uh, but they end up putting so much humanity into this character uh, that you can't kind of help but root for him. This show is just the dialogue in this show is amazing. They go to so many exotic locales. Uh, It's beautifully shot. Uh, I really enjoy this show. Two seasons are out. The third season, you know, kind of got delayed with with COVID and whatnot, but I cannot wait for season three to come out. Yeah, that sounds like one I'm definitely going to have to catch up on. Like I said, I've I've heard a lot of great things about it. Just got pretty excited from just your description there. So I'm going to have to check that one out. All right, Andy, three on your list. Three on my list. I'm going to say the show, I'm going to say the character, and, and I'm going to wait to kind of suffer the slings and arrows you're going to throw my way. So <laughs> number three on my list is Randall Pearson from This Is Us. Tee off, and then I'll explain why he's on my list. Again, I don't watch enough TV to really, like, tee off on you. Like, isn't this show just, like, rainbows and butterflies and, like, the just the sappiest thing in the world? I don't really even know a whole lot about it. Oh, it is, but it isn't. I mean, yeah, it, it always comes back to love and it comes back to family. But no, it's not rainbows and sunshine. And I think that's why Randall is the character from the show that I chose. So, so Randall is the adopted. I don't. You said you don't know a whole lot about it. So Randall is the adopted third child of the family. But you know, he's they took him off from the hospital on the same day they took home the twins that they have. So I mean, it's it's three kids. They're all the same age. So he's adopted, but he's growing up with his brother and sister. And the show jumps around in time, you know, it's, it's when they're little, it's when they're kind of growing up. It's, I think possibly even in the, the future. Um, but man, Randall is just the realest character. So in this last season, he moved to Philadelphia. He ran for the city council because he wants to kind of make a difference in the world because he's inspired by his father that adopted him and, and his mother too. He has the close relationship with the mom and the dad. So he's inspired by both of them and he wants to be a good person. But the thing I really like about, about Randall is they've really developed him as a person and just the anxiety. I mean, he has this overwhelming anxiety. So he meets his birth father and then it kind of throws this whole wrench. And so his adopted father died in the fire. That was the, the episode that came out after the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. You probably at least heard of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You know, so it's this big dramatic Jack dies. But he, he meets his birth father and then he, ju- he just has this crazy anxiety that's going on. And it's just, I think the way, and then his house gets broken into. So he's really just, he, he's totally on edge. So I think the portrayal of anxiety in somebody that's very, he's a very successful character. He's totally type A driven, but then to also see him kind of come home and fall apart a little bit. It's just really interesting. I think it's a great portrayal of mental health where, you know, the public facing Randall, you would see him and say, you know, this guy's got it made. He's totally in control. He's, he's a hundred percent just so successful. And then to kind of take a peek behind the curtain and, and see Randall at home is a, is a different character. Um, and then just also to see him as the dad, I think he's just a really great dad. 
he's then also adopted a child. So I think it's cool the way he's kind of trying to, to pay it forward with what was done for him. So there's a lot of great characters on that show. There's probably two or three others I could have picked, but I, Randall Pearson is, is going to be number three on my list. And I'm glad that you didn't give me too much stuff for it. Send all your hate mail to buckeyedadsdiscuss <laughs> at gmail.com. Uh, no, I don't and know. I will fu- <laughs> I will fire back if you have anything negative to say about that show. Come at me. All right, Andy. I cheated for my number three. Um, I believe that I couldn't pick one actor actress from the show. I believe the uh, all of them together, the sum is greater than the individual parts. My number three on the list is the ensemble cast for Scrubs. Weak, weak to pick the ensemble, and the answer is Turk Turkleton. But go ahead and tell us why you picked the ensemble from Scrubs. So, I I really it could have been any number of characters. It obviously could have been Zach Braff, JD. Could have been Donald Faison, uh, Turk. It could have been uh, Doctor Cox. Uh, there are so many just amazing and it, uh, Carla just really good characters on the show. But I really feel like the show hinges on the interactions between the characters and not just the characters individually. So you have JD and Turk's friendship. You have the mentorship between Dr. Cox and JD. You have all the different, uh, you know, romantic relationships in the show. You have the weird janitor, uh, you know, always kind of mixing it up. The show again is, uh, is a lighthearted comedy. Uh, I, the summer between my sophomore and junior year, uh, at Ohio State, I did a an internship eight weeks at Ohio State's hospital, um, and I shadowed a bunch of you know doctors, residents, interns, uh, medical students. You know, just basically followed the team around. That was the summer that I decided I did definitely did not want to be a doctor. You know, for a whole bunch of variety of reasons, there were some patients that made me cry, some patients that made me angry. And just didn't, you know, I, I didn't feel like I was cut out to handle the emotions that went into dealing with a human condition. But one of the uh, nurses who I bumped into uh, while I was doing this rotation, uh, and I was talking to her and I was like, is there any medical show that actually like, you know, kind of gets the real life feel of it? And she was like, honestly, scrubs and just the, the wackiness that goes on uh, with all these people. Uh, you know, you got the stereotypical surgeons who think they're the, you know, the big shots. And, and from the few surgeons I met that, that stereotype seems to hold true. Um, I just think the show is really funny. It had a lot of very uh, emotional human moments uh, to it that were really touching uh, and just great friendships. Uh, it's definitely a show about friendship. Uh, and that's why it's number three on my list. The musical episode of Scrubs was legendary. Oh, yeah, there's definitely some great musical interludes on that show, for sure. All right, I guess that brings us to to number two on my list. Um, Probably no surprise that this guy's going to make somebody's top five list. Walter White from Breaking Bad, the the high school teacher that turns into the drug kingpin, turns into Heisenberg. You know, he starts out just just nerdy with a pocket protector, and by the end of it, he's he's blowing people up and, and having the conversation with his wife that... When the FBI comes looking on, knocking on people's doors, looking looking for the wrong guy, I am that guy. <laughs> um, just the absolute plotting, that the journey you go on, where he goes, 
in really, I just love how it, it just goes to his head. So, you know, he kind of starts out that he's just doing it for his family because he's dying of cancer and he just wants to set up his family financially and, and you can kind of identify with it. And then he just becomes the complete just megalomaniac where he just, it needs the, the complete control and he's just doing it for the rush and the thrill and uh, just, that was a show that there were three or four times, I think, where I was like, this is so unbelievable. I can't do it. Because, you know, for me, shows have to have a little bit of that maybe not realism but realisticness to where like mm-hmm. this has to be feasible yep and there's a couple of moments where the show gets to where it's like this isn't believable anymore i don't know if i can do this anymore and then they you know kind of <laughs> drop the other shoe explain what's happened i go god damn he pulled it off again so walter white i think was just a great character on breaking bad that was it, and that's got to be probably a top five show all time if you were to to source that out to the crowd yeah so i'm not gonna lie my wife and I watched the very first episode a couple years ago now at this point. Watched it and I was like, that seems like a perfectly good show. And the, for whatever reason, I just we just never came back to it. And, and it still sits in the queue. Um, so if it's really that good, as good as you say it is, uh, I'm going to have to move it up to queue. Again, I'm, you know, April's the TV person in my house. Um, I rarely make the time for it. Uh, but if it's that good, then I definitely sound it sounds like I should make the time for it so it's a good show I also watched it after it was off the air so I, I was able to kind of binge it um and as far as like legendary shows I think that the people give great reviews for us. that's where we are with the wire so we're both big Idris Elba fans and for some reason yeah we've watched a couple episodes and it, it's just never stuck and I don't think anybody watched it and said no nah, this isn't great but I think that's maybe one that we need to fire up. But yeah, I would I would strongly recommend Breaking Bad. Okay, the number two person on my list, I almost left him off. I just completely, you know, forgot about him, brain fart. But I'm going to go with Will Smith, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So again, I don't remember exactly when the original run of the show was, if I was watching the original run or reruns. doesn't really matter. The time in my life I remember watching this was you know, definitely, you know, grade school, still preteen. Um, and Will Smith was the first thing that I remember when I was like, what is cool? Like, if I had to describe cool, personify cool, it was Will Smith and the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Um, and I really don't even know if he's necessarily my favorite character, Uh from that show i'm blanking on on the dad's name um but he or will smith's uncle in the show uh carlton and everyone else's father um but there were definitely a lot of great uh father-son type moments in that show uh, that he was a part of you know the, the titular character uh you know will smith was just super cool uh you know he has an independence day and a whole run in the movies he, he has you know you can use a lot of the words to describe his music career, um, but really just the personification of cool for me. So first off, it's it's Uncle Phil that you were thinking of. Uh, Thank you. Second, second of all, I think the only way to describe his his musical career is that's Miami. I'm going to Miami. <laughs> oh, we're going to Miami. That brings back uh, so many high school risk games where risk memories for sure was on the uh, the world domination playlist <laughs> yeah that's not a show that i necessarily connected with the same but i can definitely see that was i mean one of the most popular shows of our childhood so i can i can definitely see that connection and drum roll number one 
Number one. Um, I mean, it's maybe the best show in TV history. I don't think you could make this show anymore with the, the kind of the political correctness climate that we're in anymore. Um, number one on my list is Jim Helpert, John Krasinski from The Office. Um, went back and forth if it was going to be Michael Scott or Jim, but I think I think Jim made the show. I mean, just just the way he would look at the camera and always remind you that it was kind of the mockumentary style. Um, his relationship with Pam, I think there, there was a time in my life where I, I really felt that, you know, I connected with that a lot. So I think Jim from The Office, and, and I'm sure you're also waiting to tee off on The Office. I know that's a show that we've traditionally not necessarily agreed on. So say what you got to on that one. So there are a couple of things that I like to rag on just more. They're performative more than anything else. You know, if we ever get around to doing a classic rock list, you know, the Beatles are on that list. Obviously, you know, the Beatles are great um, and nobody can refute that. Uh, and it's the same thing with The Office. Uh, this was very popular when we were in college. There were a lot of our our mutual friends, you know, be like, oh, we're all hanging out. We're going to watch The Office tonight. It's a good show. I've never sat on the really, you know, fully invest in it. Uh, so I would just be the party pooper who would just start ragging on everybody for wanting to watch this show versus doing something else a little more exciting. But it, I, it doesn't have teeth to it. I, I can't honestly say that it's a bad show. I think it's one of those shows that kind of the older I've gotten to, the more, you know, as I go back and watch an episode or two, it really resonates because it's like, yeah, that really is what life is like. <laughs> I mean, it really does. Like you said, with your experience at the hospital, where they said that kind of captures it. I mean, you know, working in a, a place with cubicles, at least when life is traditional and normal. You know, I mean, yeah, a lot of those things really do kind of resonate with me. Yeah, for sure. I and John Krasinski, I don't know if you've watched uh, uh, the Amazon show where he plays Jack Ryan and, and Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, uh, but there's two seasons of that and he's really good in that as well. Uh, definitely something that the wife and I have both enjoyed so far. No, that 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 is on my list. I mean, he is he has really grown up from his role in Jim too. I mean, he got jacked. He he really turned into the action hero after being kind of the the skinny mild mannered jim so good for him <laughs> for sure yeah i can't i can't knock this pick uh i think i would have gone with michael scott uh if for my own personal list, just because you know steve carell this and 40 year old virgin really just like t- you know takes him from you know somebody to just you know upper echelon comedy um 40 year old virgin is a movie that could have made my top five uh movies I like more than you list uh definitely something that could not be made <laughs> uh in today's day and age uh with some of the humor in it um but yeah this is uh, uh I can't knock this pick it's solid uh my number one is not as good as your number one but this is one of the only shows ever that before I met my wife again I'm not a tv person but I actively followed along with this show watched it week to week you know, try to find the legal streams of it when I was in the dorm. Uh, my number one pick is Dr. Gregory House from the show House. Yeah, so if you'd have made me pick your number one pick, I'd have got that one pretty easily. I don't think I'd have even hesitated to guess on that. Um, one question for you, and this really has nothing to do with why you picked it, but did anyone ever have lupus on the show, or was that always just the guess that was wrong? <laughs> Uh, I don't. I, I don't think it was ever lupus. Uh, you know, it's never lupus, and uh, 
man, I, I just love this show. You know, again, I have, you know, scrubs on here too. So I, you know, pre-med background in college, uh, it's still kind of in that medical industry and it's always something I've been interested in. Uh, but I just always thought his character was so interesting. You know, again, that, that genius person who, you know, manages to figure it out at the end most of the time. Uh, but you know, he's not likable. He's on the opposite end of that spectrum. Um, really just a huge douchebag, but you know, he still gets the job done and people have to respect him for it. What can I, what can I say? I, I watched the show from beginning to end. Uh, and it was definitely something that was appointment viewing for me, um, in college. That was a solid show that had a nice, long, successful run. And I mean, you have quite a few uh, big name actors that end up being on that show, right? Like, so, uh, you know, Robert uh, Sean Leonard from, uh, oh, God, Dead Poets Society from way back in the day. I'm sure he was in a bunch of other things, but he was one of those kids all grown up. Uh, you have Omar Epps uh, in that show. You have Olivia Wilde and her crazy eyes, um, you know, in that show. Cal Penn, who's now taking on this, you know, bigger kind of political activism role. There's just so many people. Uh, who were in that show and you know you can you know it's it's so easy you just you know interchange the doctors um, that are on his team when things start getting a little stale you know his friendship with Wilson was definitely you know weird and uh, you know kind of not not the healthiest friendship in the world but it worked for them Uh, and it was a show I just really enjoyed yeah that's a solid pick I think if I went with a so noticing that you have a couple of hospital picks, I think I'd have probably picked a character from ER if I'd had to go with a hospital choice, but I think the choices you had were great. Those are our top fives. Again, uh, you know, there's, there's a wide range, I feel like, of genres and, and, and types of shows here, but uh, TV is not my forte, but there's just really been some characters who have grabbed me and, and, and been really cool to follow along with. And again, we're going to have to hook you up with that hbo information because you got succession you've got game of thrones uh and you can just you know not watch the last two seasons uh, there's a, there's a lot of really a plus uh content on there plus uh the movie selection is really unparalleled i watched jaws the other day and uh made the mistake of letting max stay in and our you know our six-year-old watched jaws which was not the you know, again, the movie's PG, technically. Uh, I don't know, you know, what the rating system was back in the day in 1975 when it came out. But, man, that's a movie I love and I've seen so many times. But, yeah, the HBO, we'll have to get you on that. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll hit you with Stars because there's, there's a couple of shows on Stars that I think. So maybe we can do it one for one. All right. And if the FCC is listening, we're not doing this. But <laughs> It's all theoretical. <laughs> yep. All right, Andy. Well, I think that's going to wrap us up for today. Uh, you know, kept it uh, less serious than we have over the last couple episodes. Uh, again, you know, there's going to always going to be that compulsion to talk in news so close to an election, but we want to try and mix it up and and keep things lighthearted. So, uh, anything you want to say to the audience before we head out? Oh, uh, we we have become Pitbull. We're Mister Three Hundred Five International. We have our first Canadian download. Hey, of course it will be my people, the Canadians. Uh, That's awesome. Thanks for listening, Canada. Um, That was probably the worst 
hockey breakdown that you're going to hear for NHL free agency. So apologies for that, but uh, hope you're enjoying the rest of the show up there in the beautiful province of Ontario. I'm glad that uh, that hockey hotbed of Tampa Bay, Florida, you know, got to bring the trophy home. So congrats to congrats to all the, uh, you know, fans down there um, who diehard hockey people. <laughs> so, Man, I went to a game in Tampa when we, when we went on vacation there a couple of years ago, and the place was buzzing on a Tuesday night. So don't knock Tampa as a hockey market. Well, they're going to see Tom Brady be put out to pasture, so now they get to consult themselves with an NHL trophy. So, If he, if he can bring the Lombardi trophy to Tampa, they're going to change the name of the city to Tampa Brady. <laughs> oh, or possibly Tampa Bay. I'm not sure. <laughs> That is awful. That that name is just awful. I'm not gonna lie. Brutal. All right. So uh to be determined for what our next episode is gonna look like. Um probably continue being uh you know lighthearted and not very news heavy. Maybe we'll go into some big picture family and parenting topics. Uh but we're gonna close this out. So this has been another episode of Buckeye Dads Discuss, and we'll talk to you guys later. Stay safe, Ohio. Buckeye Dads Discuss is a podcast hosted by Andy and Josh. It's edited by April. You can find us on social media at Buckeye Dads on Twitter. And you can email the show at Buckeye Dads Discuss at gmail.com.